0: Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM.
1: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. Simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television uh thank you for joining us this morning today is friday may 21st 2021. lieutenant let's get a check of the weather and uh, then we'll come back and i'm gonna have a couple stories to share before we talk about some news articles sounds good
2: WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, mostly sunny. Hot with highs in the mid 80s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Lows in the lower 60s. Southwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Saturday, partly sunny in the morning. Then mostly cloudy with a chance of showers in the afternoon. Highs in the mid 80s. West wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain: thirty percent. Weather forecasts for WTBRFMR provided by the National Weather Service.
1: Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, cops bureau commander. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. We have good morning everybody we have no guests joining us today we're going to talk about a lot of current events type stuff but before we get to some news i just i wanted to share with you lieutenant and with our viewers and listeners just two real quick stories about you know just just coming to work right so i'm driving it's been a long time since i had a am late to the studio story so i leave the house early but i forget i have to grab some stuff because we got Downtown cleanup later, so I gotta grab. I gotta stop and grab some stuff and throw it in the back of the cruiser. That's fine. I still have plenty of time. And you know, right? We we kind of control the the timing of road jobs, right? And so you know, most of our officers go on. They start their road jobs at zero seven hundred seven in the morning, seven thirty in the morning. That's when you set a road job, right? So I'm leaving the house. I'm coming across town. I get onto the east side of town to come down here, and I'm stuck in a long line of traffic. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on, right? Because if if there's a detail up there. It's been there for an hour and a half, right? Traffic flow should be there. It's eight fifty in the morning, and they're putting out a traffic pattern. Like, come on, right? So, this way, They start. They, they set the cones. We get through there. So, I get to the parking lot here this morning, and as I'm drove the car and reverse back into the spot, my cell phone starts ringing. And I'm like, okay, I got to answer the cell phone. So I'm I'm put the car in park. I'm jamming buttons, try to answer the cell phone. Cell phone. It's a radio ad
0: they called you on your phone
1: no it, it the ringing that i'm hearing is not my cell phone ringing it's it's in the ad it's in the ad spot <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be that kind of day it's
0: like on tv when you know you hear a siren or something yeah. and you look out right. the window
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so um first first news item i wanted to discuss and i, I guess it's not news because i didn't see i haven't seen it in the news cycle it's just it's my personal complaint this has got to be the worst pollen allergy season I can recall in recent history. I, I I'm doubling up and tripling up on my my hay fever seasonal allergy meds. It's insane. Just I washed my cruiser the other day. I think it was
0: an hour and a half or 2 hours later before I had the green film on it again.
1: It's it's insane. <laughs> we had company over for Mother's Day. It it probably took me close to You know, 40 minutes to rinse all the pollen off of the the patio tables and chairs. It it was insane. All right. um, Other news items. I think the big news, before I get to the big news, I just have to say, this is the first day in a week I haven't seen it in, in our local news cycle. And I take that as great news just a shout out to our brothers and sisters in red from all the local fire departments volunteer fire departments dcr uh, federal you know fire service everybody that's been up in williamstown north adams clarksburg on that east mountain fire um you know i i live here in pittsfield and um my my house is in the flight path glide path of the pittsfield municipal airport i've never seen more national guard air traffic than i have this week but apparently it's largely contained and they're in therein, um mopping up in mitigation efforts because there wasn't a single mention of it in this morning's news cycle so great job holding that back and knocking it down um you know so so far i think only one firefighter was injured in that entire effort hope that uh, he or she has a speedy recovery um in other big news i think you know everybody's kind of like yay you know may 29th um i gonna basically kind of start the the slow return to normal Um, you know the governor is lifting many of the COVID restrictions state of emergency will end mid-June we had a long meeting yesterday with the senior management team to talk about um, you know full reopening of City Hall and what that means and going forward for events and bar reopenings and so big things coming uh, over the course of the next week lots to look forward to uh in other big news i think we would be remiss if we didn't mention it um let's just keep our fingers crossed ceasefire been agreed upon uh in in middle east between israel and palestine that's been a long 11 11 days um let's you know hope for the best over there i think that's enough of the news so i want to dive into anything personal lieutenant but you look a little bit ragged yeah. You all right? It's one of those days. I'm going to have to excuse you and send you home when we get off the air. You no, know, I got stuff to do. You got <laughs> stuff to do. Okay. All right. Um, I mentioned it as we, we started the show. It's Actually, forget, we're on television, right? So. We are. We talked about it last week. Uh, today, this afternoon, from 1 to 4, downtown. It's the downtown corporate cleanup. Uh, Sergeant Sean Garrapey. Until recently, Officer Sean Garropy, who was in his previous role the president of the Patrol Officers Union, he took the lead on this. PPD will actually have a team of participants out there this afternoon uh, competing against the other downtown corporate teams to beautify our downtown area. We have been assigned to the block immediately surrounding our headquarters. So we get Allen Street, School Street, uh, Donald Mall, that section of North Street. So if you're out and about, we'll be out there. Stop by. Give us a wave. Uh, What time does it start? 1,300, 1 p.m., 1,300 to 1,600. I forwarded the invitation to my, or not the invitation, I forwarded the update and the assignment to my wife earlier this week because she's going to come down and join us, and she chastised me because she doesn't do military time. (laughs) She wants to travel in (laughs) Europe where they only use military time, but she doesn't use military time working on that. Yeah, it takes a little bit to get used to, I think I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we didn't discuss this when we were working on the uh show notes for this morning's show yesterday, but I thought about it last night and uh so this is one of those things where if you're outside looking in at law enforcement, you're like, okay, you know, that's the police department and they do police stuff. They do calls for service and uh, they they investigate crimes and they restore order and they do, you know, they write tickets and they investigate accidents. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens in police departments that most people never think of and they never see. We talked about some of it um, in, in previous shows and episodes, but I was thinking last night that yeah, I owe you an apology. Like I, I feel like I have taken your highly productive, highly, you know, successful law enforcement career and put it on the shelf and turns you into a human resources manager <laughs> <laughs> because you spent nearly the entire day yesterday doing employment interviews. And that's going to be half the day today <laughs> for, for two positions. <laughs> um, and so I want to spend a little bit of time about that. We, we rarely get our support services personnel out here to the studio. For some reason, they're highly reluctant to do it. <laughs> We've got to work on that. Um, but there's, there are people that work in the police department and for the police department that don't have anything to do with law enforcement. And the reality is we could not do, and we could not do as well what we do operationally in the field if we didn't have these people. And some of them we talk about quite a bit, um, but some of them we almost we never mention. So you're currently interviewing for two separate roles, right and you're being assisted in that with our uh director of administration and finance uh miss julie hamilton davis um and so real quick let's talk about the the interviews for the dispatch position so sure. we had we had a um a resignation from the dispatch supervisor and as a result of that we had some promotions within the unit and now we have to backfill to, to hire the position that is currently in the assistant supervisor's position, right? Um, and so dispatchers, they, they are the unseen and unsung heroes of public safety. Uh, we talked about it a little bit during emergency telecommunications week, but you know they are both, in many cases, the first point of contact to a resident's call for service. Somebody's in, in need of assistance, they call 911 or they call the business line, they're going to get uh, a dispatcher and at the same time they are also our lifeline the voice in the darkness when we're out in the field and we require information or we may need help um i i think i've talked about it on the program in the past on a handful of occasions during so well when i came on the job um we still had some police dispatchers we had started the process of um civilianizing the entire dispatch force but we didn't have enough money in the budget to fill all of the shifts and so there was two groups of young officers rookie officers who had been selected and they had received some additional training in one shift a week they would work in dispatch and I avoided that I was I was the one out of my class that didn't get tasked with that assignment and I was so incredibly thankful Um, but a handful of times during my my career and and my tenure as the chief I have been in dispatch during a critical incident and was completely overwhelmed completely overwhelmed Um, in one case we were we were on the receiving end of um, basically a tropical storm but there was a um, there was a nasty nasty microburst out near Worcester and there was power outages and lines down all over the eastern part of the state and the failover rate from public safety answering point to public safety answering point cascaded and so we were taking calls from Worcester right the calls are just lining up on the 911 system and they're bouncing from PSAP to PSAP to PSAP and Worcester calls around and I'm like nothing we can do to help people in Worcester right even have maps of Worcester so you know I don't I know our dispatchers all dispatchers don't get enough credit um and when I was a field training officer, one of the things that I would try to point out to our officers is, you know, you get on the radio, I'll call it with my call sign, unit one, and I don't get an immediate answer. Unit one, I don't get an immediate, and then I get frustrated, right? It sounds, unit one a dispatch. I have no idea what's going on in that room, right? They could be coaching somebody through CPR. They could be helping somebody deliver a baby. They could be dispatching fire apparatus to a structure fire, Um so they get it from both directions uh it's very stressful and i'll just say you know i was thankful that i couldn't do it when dispatch was located um upstairs where the drug unit is located now and then downstairs at the desk um i i don't know if i could have tolerated it being in the facility they're in now right when we upgraded the dispatch center and we had to put some of the additional security protocols in that's like working in a bank vault
0: yeah, they don't. I mean, fortunately,
1: they have windows, right? But um, but they don't open. <laughs> you're right; they don't open. Um, they don't they, open because they're fronted with bulletproof glass.
0: <laughs> it, you know, we were talking about this yesterday during one of the interviews. That you know, when you're um, a patrol officer, there's you know, they're different jobs. The um, advantage or one of the advantages over being a dispatcher is you're out and about and you, you know you can get out of your cruiser take a walk there's different you know you can get a change of scenery dispatchers don't have that luxury um they are in that room um and when it gets the busier it is the more they are tied to that room um you know obviously they're able to get out of the room and and take a a quick you know a bathroom break Hygiene or. break Um, you know, they, they may have a chance to, to walk, you know, down the block to get a, a cup of coffee, but, um, they may be called back very quickly because there's, you know, a lot of action going on. Um, and they, they really, we can't go too far. I mean, their, their, their breaks are brief. They try to take them frequently to keep themselves fresh.
1: They Um, take their meals at their console.
0: they, They, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a little different animal. Um and uh you know, it's just uh I I think coming in as a police officer, I I, like you Chief, I never dispatched. And I'm I'm pretty frank with them when you know, when we have discussions, I say, Listen, I I've never dispatched, I you know, appreciate your job for what it is because I don't know how I would be doing that. You know, there's this term multitasking. I'm not very good at doing two things at once. So. I, I can I can do go from one thing to another pretty quickly, but actually, and I've seen them do this where they're on the phone having one conversation and picking up everything that is going on on the radio. That's difficult.
1: So. <laughs> I, I have to I have to pick on that word for a bit because as police officers, you know, we talk we used to talk about this all the time when I was a training officer. You know, we, we pride ourselves on our ability to multitask, right? And psychologically, cognitively, the fact of the matter is we can't do it. It's not, we, there's you, no such thing. You, you can't, yeah. it, it's not almost, you can't do it. The human yeah. brain can't do it. It's yeah. one of the reasons we use divided attention tests to test somebody for, Alcohol or drug impairment, right? The human brain cannot multitask, so what you're doing is your task switching, mm. and for most people, when you're task switching, you're not doing anything very well, and I, I think m- many people in public safety develop an ability to do it better than your average person outside of public safety. And I think the example of that, um, so you know, I, I drive a take-home car, you drive a take-home car. Um, my my you know my take home car is is part of my compensation package so I get to use it you know when I'm traveling around town sometimes just to go about my regular stuff and it's not very common because I have the cruiser set up for patrol but sometimes if uh like if I'm traveling for work I might um if I'm if my wife is going to travel with me it's like rare that she could be in the cruiser and I don't think anything about getting in the cruiser Starting it having the AM FM radio going and having the police radio in the background and I have the ability to gate the police radio unless I hear my call sign or I hear you know like a a Escalating octave in the voice I can listen to a song or listen to an interview or listen to a podcast and I don't hear the police radio When she gets in the car with me if I don't turn the police radio off right away She can't stand it right it's too much stimulation it's too much stuff coming in from multiple directions and we we learned to screen that out dispatchers do that times 10 mm. right the 9 one phone might be ringing the regular phone might be ringing they're entering something into the computer they're reading something off of the emergency medical dispatch protocols they're talking to somebody else on the radio they're talking to each other right it's just it's insane yeah um you know i I know when we were getting ready to shift the dispatch center into its current location and kind of change the the supervisory structure there i was part of a team they got to travel to several other communication centers a few in massachusetts and a couple over the border in new york just to look for examples that we should kind of incorporate into our standard operating procedures going forward and one of the things that i was amazed at and we haven't we haven't had the wherewithal to do it here and i i really think we should is that I think we were in Colony, New York, at one of the multi-jurisdictional regional dispatch centers. Every shift they staff, there's a surplus dispatcher on the shift. So if it's a day shift in our facility and the normal complement is three, they staff it with four. And that fourth dispatcher's job is just to take the chair of a, a currently working dispatcher if they need, if they need a pause. Right? So if they need to you know, get away from the console, go have their meal break, the fourth dispatcher just shifts in there, and they're just moving from chair to chair to chair for the duration of the shift so they can get off the console. Um, you know, that would, that would require a 30% increase in the size of our dispatch unit in order to do that on every shift. Um, and I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. But it's, it's amazing, and they, like I said, they are unseen and uh, unsung. And the other thing it, this didn't occur to me until i started doing some work on officer health and wellness and uh, mental health and resiliency in many cases the dispatchers never find any closure they never see. they never see the conclusion right so as stressful as it may be to be a police officer a firefighter an emt or a paramedic you take the call you dispatch on the call you roll on the call you get to the call you do whatever it is you're going to do to resolve the call and at the end of the call good bad or otherwise you know what happened. In many cases, the dispatchers don't, right? They they get a radio call, you know, 108, update the CAD, and then they're taking the next call. Uh and in critical incidents, um they may never they may never find out. And sometimes they're they're subjected to miscommunication or miscues. I think I've told this story on the air. We were, on a, um, we were on a critical incident several years ago, and as a part of the protocols we have in place following critical incidents of this type, um, the involved officers are required to be transported by, from the scene, and I require them to be transported by ambulance. And so, um, you know, we're getting ready to clear this scene, and I'm getting ready to order the officer transported by ambulance. And so I just, I get on the air, and I'm like, I need an additional ambulance for transport for one to Berkshire Medical Center. And uh, I didn't include in my dispatch, you know, per policy and procedure for precautionary reasons only or whatever. And I didn't think anything about it. And when I got back to the station, one of the dispatch supervisors pulled me aside, and, you know, they were polite and they were respectful, but they essentially, you know, chewed me out because they thought we had an injured officer. And they, you know, they went into full-on like stress response because based on what they heard we had an officer who you know had been hurt in the line of duty and, and required hospitalization um and and they were reacting that way they were treating it that way and uh so i learned a valuable lesson that day that you have to you have to loop them in when when things like that happen you have to be very clear in your request when you're asking them for assistance yeah so how are the interviews going
0: good um we uh we had two yesterday for dispatchers and we have three today and uh once we get through the three today we will uh we'll see where we're at um and uh you know we'll go from there um you know we have to fill the one the one uh position and and just to clarify chief our it wasn't a complete resignation um, we just had a dispatcher that was full-time and actually our supervisor um, decided on a different career path but is staying on um, as a, a uh, part-time intermittent so that's something we haven't had for the last couple of years we've had 12 full-time dispatchers um, and, and that's it which works um, but in the past we have had part-time dispatchers on staff to kind of fill in some gaps because dispatch is um, scheduled um, very, uh, w- without any leeway. So in other words, if a dispatcher um, is sick or takes a vacation day, or for some reason does, can't work their shift, another dispatcher has to fill in on overtime. It's not like that that situation where you described over in another um, dispatch center where there's one you know ready to take the chair um ours are scheduled um very minimum at at, yeah at the minimum at all times so um that's just our model and they uh they don't mind a little overtime uh most of them but uh they uh you know having somebody part-time does help kind of reduce the mandatory overtimes
1: well, it's it's been over a month since we've been down one full dispatcher, right? So, I mean, the overtime's got to be constant.
0: Yeah, it is. And But because it's, you know, the, the time of the year, you know, they've – and they have stepped in. There's There's been a few mandatories here and there, but the, a lot of them have stepped up, um, taken the shifts. But then we run into um, challenges – uh during the summer months because naturally that's when they you know take they have scheduled vacations so um you know we're hoping they get uh somebody in there to at least take some of the the brunt um but that's that's kind of uh you know an undetermined as to how long it'll take to to train somebody um you know again we got to see where we're at with the applicants what their level of experience is uh if any and um how quickly they'll they'll pick up the training, because it's not, you know, a set. You know, you're going to be trained for, you know, eight weeks. It, it depends on, on how well they adapt to um, all the, the training material, the computer systems, policies, procedures, rules, regs, and, and all that.
1: And there was a shift in the training last year, right? So a couple of years ago, we added the component that they have to be emergency medical dispatch certified. So that was an addition initial training component for all of our dispatchers. But now when you onboard a new dispatcher, they actually have to go through a joint training process with a mentor dispatcher, right? So that training process is actually two dispatchers going through the training simultaneously.
0: Yeah, I haven't, um, in talking to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Grady, he's had to do some training um, during this pandemic, and it has shifted to, you know, what you described. It would be nice with the, the you know, the reopenings that come up if they're back to their normal training routine. Uh I'm talking about State 911, but I'm not holding out much hope that's going to happen in the next month.
1: There's a lot of things <laughs> that happened as a result of the pandemic that, um, you know, I think we can collectively agree. We're, we're glad they're over. Um, but I think there was a lot of things that people looked at and they said, "Oh, these are opportunities for improvement," and that is one of the things that, based on my history with State 911, I think that's going to stay. Right there, there. Not only did they do it as a result of a technological ability and a health requirement, but it's a better training model. And while it may be a little more um, costly and a little. Um, more demanding for us, we're going to end up with a better product at the end of that. Uh, and, you know, State 911 is not going to look at that and say, yeah, you know, just go back to pre-2020 and do it the way you did before, uh, especially if it's been effective. Yeah. All right. So we only have a few minutes left before station break. I want to shift gears uh, to the other position here real quickly. And I don't want to undersell this position, uh, so we might go to break a little bit late. But So the other position you're interviewing for is our our department custodian. Right. And, um, you know, the, the timing wasn't great, but thank God uh, Mark didn't, you know, his he didn't reach his retirement at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. Because we could not have operated out of our facility through the pandemic if we didn't have um, our our full time committed custodian. Uh, and in the couple of weeks that he's been gone and we've been going through this interview process three times now, um, you know, it, things have started to slide a little bit um uh, i actually i the, the guys will get mad if they, the guys and the guys will get mad if they hear this and i'm not going to implement this but i actually had a thought early this week i'm like you know what fire department has has barracks duties you know there's things there's chores they have to do when they're in station we might have to look at barracks duties <laughs> i'm not doing that but um you know there's just you know simple things no no paper towels in the washrooms or something like that Uh, and so it's essential that we get a full-time building custodian back building maintenance is helping us out we've got some people stepping up to fill in some shifts and our our part-timer is uh still working his scheduled hours but you know the police department is a 24-hour a day seven day a week 365 day a year facility we're never allowed to close uh we have a lot of health and hygiene and safety considerations that your normal place of business doesn't ever have um we're bringing prisoners in and out we don't necessarily know the status of the condition of all those prisoners uh sometimes um you know sometimes we we have to sanitize or decon a cell when we find out something about a particular prisoner's uh medical condition health condition um you know we we have people who get sick so we have biohazard remediation on a regular basis the facility is old so you know just routine maintenance stuff um you know I know Captain Kirchner and Mark were incredibly frustrated this winter our boilers kept failing uh we'd have prisoners in the cell block and the cell you know the temperature in the cell block would be dropping over the weekend and we wouldn't be able to get the heat back up um you know it never never mind our people who are suffering through that at the same time you know during the overnight shift um it's just it's it's constant incessant building maintenance and we have one full-time and one part-time person who try to keep that building clean and uh safe and hygienic 24 hours a day you
0: know we've we've talked about this in terms of Of our payroll but it it also goes for um you know keeping the building clean and and, uh, the custodial maintenance on you know the the building custodian works you know during the day monday through friday generally they're subject to call in depending on you know what we have going on but that's their normal schedule so picture this on you know friday at three o'clock the building custodian leaves for the weekend and this is what we were explaining to one of the the candidates Um, it's not like an office building where everybody left behind you and there's really not a lot that's going to happen so when you come in Monday you're all starting together when they leave on Friday eight shifts will occur before they come back on Monday so they have the equivalent of almost two weeks worth worth of people being in the building working putting trash and
1: right. eight, eight shifts worth of bathroom use eight yep. shifts worth of meals going into the trash can eight mm-hmm. shifts worth of paperwork being put in the shred box eight mm-hmm. shifts worth of paper towels being thrown on stuff um and then you got to dump all that stuff out before start of business on monday morning again right right it's it's just a different animal it's a completely different animal and you know it's it's one of those things again we've talked about it in relation to payroll um people who don't work in it don't understand if we were a corrections facility if we were a jail we'd have full-time custodians on three shifts right there would be somebody there to take out the trash and pick up a mess every minute of every day and we don't have that right we we essentially are structured like a an office building or staffed like an office building but we operate like a 24-hour operation so um it's it's not again uh, talk about people that we could not function effectively without our custodians do not get enough credit uh they don't get enough credit for what and it's not just the main custodial stuff we're talking about right our custodian has to snowball shovel and clear our walks Our custodian is responsible for the maintenance of, you know, we we get a lot of help from Pittsfield Beautiful, but they're responsible for the maintenance of, like, the the plantings and the beds around the station. There's just all kinds of stuff. Um,
0: The cell blocks is probably the most unique, you know, cleaning cell blocks.
1: Cleaning cell blocks. And, you know, holiday weekend coming up, we'll get six or seven male prisoners and two female prisoners starting Friday afternoon after the court closes, and then we're full through Tuesday morning. It's rough. It's that's that's just a lot of usage. So, how are those interviews going? I know we had a couple people pull out.
0: Yeah, that we we had some good interviews yesterday and uh, you know, I think it, uh miss Davis is is working on something. I'm not sure if she's updated uh you um
1: if not, I will after the show. <laughs> All right. All right. We're a couple minutes late. Let's get another check of the weather and station identification. We'll come back and we'll shift gears.
2: WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, mostly sunny. Hot with highs in the mid-80s. West wind 10 to 15 mph. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Lows in the lower 60s. Southwest wind around 5 mph. Saturday, partly sunny in the morning. Then mostly cloudy with the chance of showers in the afternoon. Highs in the mid 80s. West wind 5 to 10 mph. Chance of rain 30%. Weather forecasts for WTBR are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM.
1: Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Uh, If you're just tuning in, today is Friday, May 21st, 2021. Uh, We have been talking about our support services personnel and vacancies in in the dispatch and communications team and uh, our building custodian vacancy, which we're hoping to fill. Just, you know, people... Not on the front-facing side of of police work that support us and that we really couldn't um, we really couldn't do without. Uh, you know, our the last member of our team that we haven't mentioned. We could talk about the administrative and finance team quite a bit here, but the last member of our team that we really haven't mentioned on the show is uh, it's the, the antiquated term of fleet motor repairman. But our, our department mechanic, right? Who uh, you know. Is is located, headquartered with us in our in our facilities garage, and and keeps the fleet up and running, right? Um, and again, we we have a lot of vehicles. We have a, a wide variety of different types of vehicles. They require a lot of maintenance. Um, it's always amazed me, and this is one of those historical things not only is our building mechanic responsible for the fleet but they're also responsible for the weekly test and maintenance on the building's generator right so it's got an engine give it to the mechanic uh it's like when it you know when we first built it within the department anything that plugged into the wall was it didn't matter right so shredder give it to it <laughs> Yeah, you know, so.
0: it, it it's funny uh julie and i were asked the question yesterday uh you know who who does the training for the custodian <laughs> We just kind of looked at each other we're like it and, and our, our answer basically had I mean we we're not custodians obviously we have an idea of what the custodian does some of the, the you know the main things that what they do in front of us mopping the floors and um, you know emptying trash cleaning the bathroom cells and whatnot but there's there's a lot of components to the job, you know, ordering supplies, dealing with vendors, and all this stuff that we just count on it happening.
1: Happening, right?
0: Right. It's it, elves. It, yeah. It's <laughs> it, it's just, so, we, we, and it, it kind of goes to what you had opened this segment with, Chief, where we, um, you know, you and I came in as sworn. Some of the administrative staff come in for their particular jobs. We, the the custodians just, I mean, the building always just was cleaned, and, right. and I think I've since I've been here in twenty three years. I I think there's two custodians, so it hasn't like at a, least that been a lot of hasn't been a lot of turnover. So that's you know, it would be nice to have somebody that really kind of knows what to do.
1: <laughs> so so one of the things it, where. We're spending a lot of time on this topic, but but, you know, it's important because again, I don't think most of our listeners and viewers understand this. One of the things that I know was frustrating for our incumbent, uh, the recently uh, retired custodian is the job description, our job description of our custodian does not mirror the job description of custodians in other parts of city service. Um, And given the expectations and the requirements placed on them, it's it's kind of like a hybrid between a a custodian's job and almost a foreman's or a for a building foreman's job like, a main, maintenance supervisor's job like
0: yeah like a facilities right. manager
1: and because they're they're the sole employee and they don't supervise anybody we couldn't get a position upgrade for the position um and we couldn't create a new position you know we'll talk about personal review board and how new positions get created some other time um but you know in his opinion, he deserved to be compensated at a higher rate of pay for the things that he was required to do that his fellow custodians aren't required to do. And he was right. But uh, again, because, you know, positions are established by code and ordinance, you can't just change them um, without going through a, a elaborate process. And we tried a couple times and the people who control that process disagreed. They, they couldn't see what um when in this case he was doing and so they they didn't agree with the upgrades uh, but you know something is easy so the police department is a secure facility Um you, you talked about dealing with vendors but sometimes we have to deal with contractors and if we're dealing with a short-term problem so the boilers right that's an emergency and we have to let them in to deal with the emergency we don't have time to vet them and because we don't have time to vet them under our CGIS, our criminal justice information systems uh, regulations and our pr- uh, privacy protection regulations they can't be in the building unescorted so then you know that falls on the role if we don't have somebody in say a cadet status that we can just throw at that that falls on the person who is in the custodian's role to make sure that they're escorted in and out of where they're working somebody has to keep an eye on them that means time that they can't do what they normally would be doing and then they've got to deal with those contractors and report back to the captains about what the contractors are saying or what the timeline is going to be it's a lot more than just mopping the floors and emptying the trash and cleaning the cells uh and so um you know it's government government moves slow and uh you get you got to overcome the status quo and inertia to to make these changes but um you know again it keeping that facility up and running is it, it could easily be three shifts a day yeah so all right we should change gears here sounds good um it's budget season and our budget hearing will be at 6 p.m on june 1st and the budget has been submitted the budget hearings have already started and received any questions relative to the budget yet uh I anticipate that those will ramp up next week um essentially we we submitted what you know in in the financial world would be called a level service budget um with the exception of contractual increases on the salary line items relative to um incentives and or you know seniority changes and stuff like that um cost of living you know everything stayed pretty much the same there were some expense line items and overtime line items that we cut um just because you know obviously our experience last year was significantly different in previous years um and in order to offset some of the the contractual increases we we had to lean it out a little bit Uh, we didn't lose any positions yet uh if we remember last year technically we didn't lose any positions but we did have some salary money shifted into a new line item which we're still struggling to deal with um but you know personnel wise the numbers remain the same expense wise a couple minor cuts that uh we we should be fine with um we had requested a couple increases any any increase i requested essentially got leveled um so pretty much the status quo Right. And in, in this climate and environment, that's about all we can hope for to start with. Um, we, despite the fact that we're still, you know, three quarters into the year, better than three quarters in the year, we're still trying to negotiate the increase in um, mental health co-responder program. We're, we're still we're still working through that. I've learned a lot more about the intricacies of, of mental health providers in the Commonwealth in the last six months than I ever hoped to. Uh... The co-responder program five-year existing co-responder program that we have talked about in the past with mr collins who is unfortunately getting ready to retire very shortly um it actually was in a little bit of jeopardy this year we weren't sure we were going to be able to find a replacement um for him and the good news is uh, between his efforts and the brain centers continued generosity and uh shifting a little bit of that That budget money the operating money we have she's been trained up and she's on board so at least we won't lose that program uh trying to expand the program became very challenging and uh, it became challenging for a couple different reasons one you know the money got moved during the appropriations process but it i've come to i've come to realize in the last several years that A lot of people, um, a lot of our residents don't have any understanding of um, not just municipal finance, but municipal operations. So moving the money is fine, but it doesn't create the jobs. And going back to the process that I referenced with trying to upgrade the custodial position, the process of creating jobs is very, very cumbersome. So um, we went through a process this year to create a position within the department for a grant manager. That position. documentation to try to create that position we filed for the first time three years ago and it finally got through the process um this year and you know we put it through the process without requesting any funding because the intent is to to grant fund it but the timing was bad and so all of the grants that we're currently administering there, there's no room in their budgets to absorb it, so we'll have to fund it as we rewrite and renew grants going forward. Uh, but it was three years to to go through the justification process, and we didn't have two and a half, three years to do the co-responders. So the money was there, but the job description and the position within the city wasn't. So we tried a couple different things, and one of the things we said, we'll, we'll, we'll independently contract, right? We have the money. We'll will advertise for independent contractors and we'll pay them directly and then they can you know integrate themselves into the existing system and what i didn't know going into that is because i actually wanted to talk about this in a forum i was in last night um you know this this is a classic example of good idea great idea well-intentioned unforeseen consequences so when the commonwealth created over a decade ago the emergency services provider program, the ESP program to expand mental health, community-based mental health services, they set it up exclusively. So there's our mental health provider in the city of Pittsfield is the Breen Center. They're the, they're the exclusive ESP provider for Berkshire County. So if we were to contract with somebody directly, that contractor could not gain access to the ESP system. So essentially, they'd be in the same position we as a police officer are. So they, they might have a different skill set, but they wouldn't be able to get access to the patient records. They wouldn't be able to get access to the patient portal. Only members of the ESP program can do that and integrate seamlessly uh, to the health system. And so instead of streamlining the process and expanding the process, it, it would have been adding an extra layer to the process and slowing it down. So we hit pause on that and now we're exploring uh whether the breen center can do what we were thinking about doing contract with independent contractors or their preference and i'm waiting to find out if they're actually going to be able to do this is we just expand the existing contract we have with them and they take the balance of the money and they hire more people uh, and they're they're examining that. that's their inclination. I hope to learn more about that shortly. um and then again, you know, the budget request the proposed budget for next year includes the same amount of money for thats uh that service so we're we're gonna try to make that happen one way or another. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't easy uh and it was not quick. so one of the things that has occurred. As a result of last year's budget process, and Lieutenant, you and I talked about this, you've kind of helped me uh, manage the team that's been working on this with me. So we we received a bunch of questions last year um, during the budget process, specifically about our spending on equipment and, you know, I didn't receive any questions before the hearing. So in, in the hearing, I didn't have access to the documents. I was like, OK, you know, yeah, equipment is exactly that. It's equipment. And, and what kind of equipment? So, well, you know, it could be could be vests. It, it could be uh, it could be firearms. It, you know, it, it's equipment. It's anything that we, you know, we carry. So, But it could also be office chairs. It could be dispatch chairs. Um, you know, equipment is a generic catch all. and so. You know, the line, the descriptions of the line items that we use, we don't write those. They're they're like tied into specific account numbers. And, and that's a general accounting practice for the Commonwealth. Um, and so we started nearly a year ago digging into what had specifically hit that line item, what was new equipment. And one of the things we found out, I think I talked about this on a previous show, uh, is that once we... Once we do the procurement process, once we do the purchasing process, and we our team, our admin finance team puts it into the municipal finance system, we're not the last people to touch it. And so there's a lot of different points of contact and there's a lot of different transfers and the entries get changed until the system, you know, until the invoice is closed and paid. And so, like, we found a couple different examples where we would run a report and the report wouldn't tell us with any specificity what that purchase was it was just a generic thing and we would go back and we'd pull the actual invoice and the description in the report in no way corresponded to the description on the invoice like why is this happening and so admin and finance walked me through the system and what we found out is so we have vendors that we use for a variety of things common commonly and at the end, when, so in our case, finance and admin in our case, when they're putting it in as a purchase order requisition, they, they're they looking at the request that came from our generator, right? So they know exactly what it is. But on the other end, when the invoice gets closed out, what we found is if the person in finance across the street didn't know, they didn't want to slow down the process, they didn't want to call somebody and ask. So they had a, a list of go-buys for a particular vendor, and each of those each of those vendors was associated with a generic description and they would just close it out. So in two cases last year, uh, we had bought some accessories for some less lethal shotguns and they were both entered into the finance report as ammo. Now ammunition has a separate line item. So, you know, the question is why is there ammo appearing in the new equipment? Well, it wasn't right when we went back and pulled the actual invoices. These are slings. These are stocks. These are side saddles. So, it it took a couple people a lot of time to go through and parse out the purchases for last year. We've gotten better, and, and done, now we're going to take responsibility going forward on our end. When we do the purchases, we'll we'll track them, the real descriptions as we do that, and so we built a system for that. But I, I don't want to have to answer these questions at any length of time during the hearings. It's it's you know. it it takes a lot of time. So we're going to publish them. We're going to push them out, um, on, on a library on our website. And I'd never envisioned that the expense reports were going to be the thing that pushed this project over the, uh, over the finish line. But in fact, that's what, um, you know, that's what led me to get the IT team and the Intel team and say enough Hemant and Han make it happen so the libraries exist and we're gonna start populating them with some stuff so the expense reports will be the first things that will go on the department's open data portal and then we're and this is a project that started when I came back from DC in 2015 um, but because of some real serious limitations on our website and our website provider we just couldn't get it done um, with the most recent web. Refresh that you managed that we now have the capability of doing it. So now we're gonna, in addition to the expense reports, we're gonna start putting out some information on arrest statistics and citation statistics, uh, crash statistics, staffing demographics. Um, I have a list of things that Intel agreed to to start um, working on, but they they will be listed in that library on our website in a, a Excel spreadsheet open data researchers can go hit that library take the data off um analyze it It, we won't be pushing out our reports you know those those will always be available to our annual report or some of our other reporting but this will be raw data raw data that people can go take a look at and examine um and you know it's it's part of one of the things the initiatives that was in the final report of the final report of the president's task force on 21st century policing um like i said we've been working on it for several years we had to overcome some tech limitations um but we're there now so open data portal cool
0: takes a lot to move forward progress you know progress (laughs) in in a lot of different areas
1: it's (laughs) you know this this has kind of been a consistent theme for this whole show and it sounds like excuses and and i don't want it you know I'm responsible for our ability or our inability to finish some of these things, but we get recruited as police officers. And then the further we move in our career, the less police officer stuff we do, Mm. and the more of this other type of stuff we do. And I I do almost no law enforcement anymore, right? It's all I can do to try to get out on the road for a couple hours on a Friday. Um, But when, you know, we talked about the elves with the custodian, right? When I call IT and I say, this is what I want to do, make it happen, in my mind, they should just make it happen. I don't know about the difficulty of not owning our own domain name. I don't know about the you know the difficulty of, of being on the wrong proxy server and all that stuff. Um, they have to explain it to me. And when we run up to a hard limiting factor, I have to believe that when they tell me that we're up against a hard limiting factor. And so... uh, this was frustrating to me but but we like I said we've been working on some version of how to produce the open data portal for over five years now and our previous IT uh, team member who is now in charge of IT for the whole city he was there working on it with me at the beginning so he understood this data has to be accessible in an open fashion it can't be it can't be presented as a PDF or or a locked Word document. It has to be capable of being retrieved. And so I, he understood, he acknowledged he understood. I thought that that was just a done deal. So when we got ready to do this first round of expense reports and I ordered our new IT person to put it up there, he texted me and goes, I can't. Uh, Our web provider does not allow us to upload spreadsheets. I can only do it as a PDF. Well, that's not the commitment. The commitment is to open data, right? If we're locking the data and they can't access it, that's, we're failing at that. And so he contacted uh, Mike and then I contacted Mike and, you know, timing is poor. Mike was getting ready to start his vacation and, you know, have a conversation with Mike. He's like, well, I didn't understand. I thought it just had to be viewable. like, no, it has to be retrievable. You told me five years ago that that was possible. Um, And it turned out that it was possible. It's a security setting, but it's not a recommended security setting. So when we did the web refresh, the security settings reverted and that ability went away. Um, so, you know, again, I'm a police officer, I don't know that. I don't know how to fix that. <laughs> and and these are the, <clears throat> and these are the kind of things that you just don't know. You don't know mm-hmm. until it's time. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pollen. We're just about out of time, Lieutenant. So I've got, uh, I had, I think I talked about this last week, right? So we, I had my first official meeting as a member of the post commission I had my first working group meeting with two of my fellow commissioners on uh, our first set of recommendations that we have to finish before the end of june i have attended two meetings that i didn't know i was going to need to attend um i have been invited to participate in the mass chiefs of police associations executive board meetings as an observer to report and uh, gain information for posts so i did that um I've also been invited to attend the Municipal Police Training Committee monthly meetings, so I did that. And then last night, uh, my friend, the United States Marshal for the District of Massachusetts, and my other friend, former Chief Johnny Whitehead, uh, formerly of the UMass Police Department, recently retired from Rice University, they asked if I would present at a um, a lecture forum forum that they hold on social justice issues and so last night we did a virtual session on the post legislation or the police reform legislation and the creation of post so that was uh that was interesting it was well attended actually for a virtual session i was honored that they asked me to speak on that um and so post is ramping up more to come
0: and much more to come probably oh, I'm right.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, I just realized this morning I'm going to have some bullet points for my working paper that I'm going to need some eyes on, and uh, unfortunately, PPD personnel are going to have to help me with that. So I didn't just get recruited to post. We got recruited to post. <laughs> All right. So, oh, I closed, my, I closed my tablet. So we already said this afternoon, uh, downtown Pittsfield Incorporated annual downtown corporate cleanup will be there. Come down, join us, wave. I'm not going to tell you to honk your horn, because I admonished my wife the other day for honking her horn when it's not an emergency. <laughs> it's just you know, it's an emergency signaling device, not a communications device. Um, looks like the weather's going to cool down a little bit, and we might get some rain for the weekend, so you got to plan accordingly for that. There are all kinds of cool things going on with the, the anticipated scheduled reopening, Um I know that my bride attended an in-person function in, uh, in her professional capacity last night at Balderdash. Uh, you know, in-person is becoming a thing again. Thank God. Yeah, right? Um, had a cool conversation r- earlier this week with a couple of our people about their starting down the path uh with jujitsu I, I think more and more police officers are recognizing the value of jujitsu uh, so i'm going to be excited to see if uh, any of our colleagues come train with me i'll be you know making some time in the dojo this weekend working on on my jujitsu uh, skills got to get outside a little bit enjoy some of this weather all kinds of cool things going on downtown uh, all kinds of cool things going on out of hancock shaker village check out the cultural pittsfield newsletter and uh you know find out what's available to you um how about you lieutenant what's going on for the weekend i've had
0: a heck of a week so um i'm gonna time try, to rest try and relax a little bit i would like to do uh, some work on on my boat and get that
1: ready for some wreck use but sounds like a plan all the boat owners know how much work that is that's right <laughs> all right thank you for tuning in to another new episode of on patrol with the ppd until we see you next week be well be kind stay healthy and uh don't forget to take practice your self-care and have a little bit of fun we're 10-8